1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 124 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina?
2: I'm great, Val. How are you going?
1: I'm good. What's been new in your
2: world? Oh, I've got a bolognese going on the stove. I've had a ride on Stella and um, Gazza, my dog, is doing the podcast naked today. He's completely Mm -hmm. nude. Took okay. his collar off so he would be a bit more silent. But he looks funny because he's nude. You know, <laughs> like that chick that sang that song. What's that? Um, remember? Was it the Bangles? What? What was that? Eternal flame. She recorded it naked. Do you remember what? that? Yeah. Did she? Yeah. Like you know, like they filled the studio with uh, candles and she recorded it naked to feel like vulnerable.
1: That bizarre.
2: Are you sure?
1: That is really weird. I saw her. She looks the same. Yeah. I saw her not that long ago in uh, Melbourne, I think, or Sydney. I can't remember. Um, and she still looks exactly like she did 25 years ago, or whatever. That's amazing. Mm, she's what amazing. What technology? No, <laughs> I saw her in real life. <laughs> Singing, Eternal Flame, in fact, but she had a oh, clothes really? on. But she was, she was clothed. Yes, yes. That's a really bizarre thing to say, but anyway. All right, look, we have a couple of shout-outs. This isn't a podcast about <laughs> 80s music or about being naked while singing, uh, but we have a couple of shout-outs. And um, the first one is to Pablo Pete. Now, Pablo Pete commented in the Facebook group, Now, if you are not in the Facebook group, make sure that you get in there. It's for all of our listeners and you can join and it's free. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and and request to join. So Pablo Pete, he said, just a quick comment for the group. About a year ago, I was laid off my job where I worked as a manager for 10 years. Photography was always a hobby or side project. I decided to change my life and become a professional photographer. That dream now is a reality. I work in a photo lab full-time Monday to Friday and am doing about three to four freelance gigs a week. A big thanks to this podcast. The hosts really made me feel like it was possible and I went for it. I've never been happier. Cheers and follow your dreams. Oh, so, wow.
2: That's so amazing. That Congratulations. It so has made happy. my day. Made absolutely,
1: my day. absolutely made my day. That makes me so happy. Congratulations, yeah. Pablo, Pete. That's so fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, just awesome, brilliant to Made hear the that hairs you're on my arms
2: stand up, mm. Val, and that's a considerable feat. So like, that's a lot of
1: hair, right? It's <laughs> lot of hair.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like to comb them all to like one side. That's the thing that I have. Like I comb
1: them across, but that's what you
2: get when you're a Sicilian girl.
1: <laughs> I know someone who got um, electrolysis. Oh, God, geez, with how many tangents we can go off <laughs> Sorry. today? Val, Go on. <laughs> no, he got electrolysis on their um, arms.
2: Yeah. Like the problem is, because I've considered that, mm-hmm. but you've got to have very – so the way those lasers work is uh, they detect contrast and if you've got dark skin like I do and dark hair, it can't find the hairs properly. Really? Yeah, yeah, so if you've got light skin and dark hair, no problem. But if you've got dark skin and dark hair, hard to do. And the other downside is once you have that sort of laser, you yeah. can't go in the sun again. So I'm going to have hairy that's arms. Not done that's not true. That's not true because yeah. you and I both know this person and she goes into
1: this. No, you, you and I both know this person and she goes in the sun all the time. So that's just not true. Well, that's dangerous. Well, okay. Listen,
2: I think uh, I was given hairy arms for a reason. I'm going right. to um, just embrace them.
1: All right.
2: Girl so now, let's.
1: It. We're going to do a shout out also to Gustavo Pizzano, and um, what did Gustavo post in the Facebook group that uh, was really lovely, Gina? So
2: he he talks about the fact that this group has no borders. So Gustavo's on the other side of the world, and Natalie Finney, who is in Australia, kindly uh, sent this guy that she didn't know uh, by post, and, by, yeah, by mail, uh, by yep. mail, he, an AF lens calibration uh, pyramid, and uh, in the mail, which I just thought was the sweetest thing, and just like goes to show what an awesome group of caring and sharing Brilliant. people True. and it's like everyone like people are meeting up and uh doing projects together i've, I've heard many stories about people meeting up and working together like mm. helping each other as assistants giving each other advice it's just uh fantastic for that and I, val i'm waiting for the first like uh, so, you Baby. want to be a photographer? <laughs> yes, yes, like <laughs> hook up. That's yeah. not that happened yet. Or, like, if you it news may news at happened. if you've, like, we could be the Tinder for photographers, Val.
1: Tinder for photographers. Yeah, <sighs> let us know oh, if you've hooked up with and a fellow listener by yeah. emailing us. Do you think news. anyone ever tell us? Yeah, I did. I hooked up. Yeah, why not? Email us at news at gina.militia.com and let or us know. Or if you've got a
2: crush on anyone in the group and you want us to, like, match make, like, you know, you know, remember when you were in primary school, someone would go, He likes you. And you go, yeah. well, I, to, I like him too. And then the other person would run over, and, and uh, you know, stuff happens like the old fashioned matchmaking. They'd,
1: they'd, they'd say, um, David wants to go around with you. He wants to go around with you. Will you go around with him? <laughs> yes. And then when it was all over, you're dropped. You're dropped. <laughs> Well, that's the Australian vernacular anyway Australian. For all of, what's of the, our uh, what's international listeners. the, uh,
2: in, the yeah, in the rest of the world. I'd like to hear that as well. This is more than a photography podcast, We've it talked about, It is. So like
1: let's move in. on, Gina. We're going to do a photo critique for Brian Becknell. Now, Brian says, I had the great pleasure of being a second photographer at a wedding this weekend. It was a 14-hour day with some breaks built in. It was the most stress-free wedding I'd ever seen. After all is said and done, I still need to slow down and remember the rule of thirds more often so I I can apply even more creativity and artistry to images for the couple. I also learned that same-sex weddings are very different than opposite-sex weddings. Here are a few images that are currently my favourites and um, some uh, constructive criticism is welcome. Now, we're going to feature these images uh, in the show notes, which you can find at um, GinaMilitia.com. Com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So we'll put those um, lovely images that Brian has taken in the show notes. And what he's got, he's got um, in the first image, there's a gorgeous uh, bride and groom in the classic pose where they're facing each other and their foreheads are touching. You know, it's a very tender moment but not too schmaltzy with, you know, pashing on the lips or anything. <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> pash when
2: you're a bride. Like, you know, <laughs> when they go for that kiss, you know the bride and groom that Go for the full on pashes when yes. they say do you do you like oh, that makes me uncomfortable.
1: I know that's so true. Now, did you want to go through them individually, Gina? Or yeah, all yeah. At once? So what I want okay. to say first of all
2: is um, Brian mentions that he he needs to remember to slow down and remember his rule of thirds and apply more creativity and artistry to his images. Brian, the good news for you is the more you do these weddings, uh, the easier all these things are to remember. So remember when you first start. Starting out, you've got um, all these things that you need to remember, like you're worrying about exposure and getting, um, like, the shots composed. Well, there's so many things to remember. But after a while, and sorry, even though I've got Gary in Are you decluttering the mood, or something, he's, Gina? He's, are, he's you found, packing, are you packing? you found. Know? How Australian is this? He's found my Ugg boot. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think he thinks it's a friend, okay. And I don't okay, want to tell you what's funny. going on
1: in the okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Gazza, go, Gazgo, go, Oh, dear, okay. Maybe you should just ignore Gary.
2: You'll be finished soon enough and having a (laughs) secret night.
1: Oh, my goodness. Brian's
2: pictures. (laughs) So back to Brian. Yeah, so the good news is the more you do this, it just becomes second nature and you you just go into a zone and everything just flows and you remember to to, like – you're not worrying about exposure and uh, poses. They're just coming naturally and then you can really focus on the little one percenters that you need to focus on. So – the shots you've done, I think you should be really pleased. I think, mm. it, like, most importantly, you've captured uh, – they feel that, like all the moments feel really tender and really intimate, and so, like, which is hard to do. Like, it they, they all look like the bride and groom were completely unaware that you were in the room. Like, you've yes, – captured That moment, and that's what's really beautiful. And I think if I was this uh, bride and groom and the
1: family, I'd be just delighted with these shots. So, um, So apart from that main shot, there's Brian also has a couple of a a shot of um, the rings um, balanced in the gutter of the Bible where it's opened to the 23rd psalm, which of course is the Lord is my shepherd. And he's balanced the rings in such a way that they cast a shadow onto the Bible that is in the shape of a heart. So, I think that that's very clever and quite gorgeous. And then there's a beautiful shot of the the bride by herself um, at the window looking quite um, um, just. Beautiful and serene, but there's also a reflection of her in the window in the on to the right of it, the image. So it's that's a beautiful shot as well. And he's also captured the beautiful shot of the bride, I think, waltzing with her father, most likely yes. her father. yeah um, And they just look like you know a lovely family who yeah. um, are full of love. And they they are. I think. And you're right, Gina. I think these have captured moments that are just um, gorgeous.
2: Yeah, and it's like I love – it. like he's uh, converted a couple to black and white and I think you've been spot on with your choices there. You've really – you've captured everything. Like all you need to do, Brian, is to take these photos to the next level is keep shooting weddings and I think each wedding that you do, you're going to notice something else, take it to another level, add another skill, add something and it's just like the difference between what you're doing now and what you'll do in the future is tiny, tiny little details. That you'll pick up yourself Mm. and you'll feel more comfortable and more confident uh, in front of people and uh, asking, you know, tweaking backgrounds and just asking them to uh, maybe alter their gaze and things like that. But I think you've done a a sensational job and you should be really proud of yourself. Well done.
1: Yeah, well done. So now let's move on to this week's topic, which is called set your pixels free, how to (laughs) optimize (laughs) images for print. Now, this is a great idea. Gina how to optimize images for print now in the first instance Gina why might we optimize our images for print or rather what are you referring to when you were referring to print so it's it's
2: the good old day like remember the good old days Val where you took a roll of film Mm. and you took it down to the chemist you waited mm. a couple of days you got yep. it back and you got yep. these little square flat things that you held in your hands <laughs> that had an image <laughs> on them yes that's they a thought... print <laughs> that's okay. a print and, right. and so like you know for this n- next little bit i would love to have some uh, inspirational music Sort of playing softly under me, like you know. So, do you want to do it like do like a ba, 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 you know, that sort of music? Can you do that just softly as I say these next little uh, bit?
1: I no, no. <laughs>
2: No. No. Okay, I'll
1: try. It,
2: it just, so so, so there's, bilico, there's billions of photos trapped in hard drives, computers, and smartphones across the, the world. This is cruel and inhumane. Generations of children and pets. Growing up without photo albums. Hard drives fail, technology changes. Your work was not meant to be viewed from a smartphone in the parking lot at McDonald's. It's time to set your pixels fresh.
1: well that was good. I've I like always it. wanted to be Hans Zimmer, you know, the guy who does all of those Oscar-winning soundtracks, like yeah. for all of the famous movies, like Hans Zimmer or um, um, who's the guy that does the Star Wars or him, the Star Wars soundtrack guy too. i right, yeah. always wanted to be them. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go
2: on. Mm-hmm. Well, this could be the start of something big. So, good, like somehow um, – Photography got hijacked, and it's now like, we're, we're, yes, I know we're sharing more images than we ever did before. But like, let's be real about this: how many people, when they're looking at their Instagram feed, mm. your beautiful photos that you've painstakingly worked on and loved mm. and worried about the you know, the uh, contrast and the color? How yeah. many people are looking at that image from their bathroom, Val? <laughs> Probably the vast majority. The vast majority, you know. (laughs) That's not how photography is meant to be viewed. It's meant to be um, on a... On a print, on a wall somewhere, not necessarily in a yes. gallery, but somewhere. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about printing your work, even if you're the only person that sees it, it there's something about having your work on the wall that, that, that just adds. It's, it's just a really beautiful thing to do. And I think if mm. you're a photographer and you're not printing your work, hopefully after this episode it might inspire you to do that. And, mm. you know, for no one else, just do it for you. And then um, it's also uh, a little safety that you can have because uh- – As I said, hard drives fail. Where, like, your photos that you're taking on smartphones and or on your camera and storing them on your computer, what, like, what happens when the technology fails or you upgrade your computer and you lose those images? There's a lot of images that are just being Mm. lost, and people are losing chunks Mm. of their history. And it's not archival, so like your, uh, you know, future generations may not get to see what you. You even look like because there isn't. Um, if you were born in the nineties, like for us, we've got heaps of photos. I've got heaps yeah. of photos of me standing in front of the lemon tree at home because <laughs> that's where we got all our photos taken. Oh, on we a had a lemon plant. tree too, yeah. and that's we stood in, yeah,
1: front of the lemon st-
2: tree. stood in front of the lemon tree. It's like you know we were in our Sunday best because we'd all been to church, and Mum would get us out and make us stand in front of the lemon tree, and uh, like we all had these uh, sullen expressions because no one wanted to be there mm. yeah so <laughs> it, it, but even those shots need to be seen even if the you know the kid like not not just Instagram like so get them printed so let's uh let's dive in shall we Val that was beautiful that's like background music <laughs> like you missed the calling <laughs>
1: I have. I have. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So when we're talking about print, you're actually talking about printed photos. We're not we're not necessarily referring to photos that are going to appear on brochures or magazines or annual reports. We're talking specifically about about printed. Well, I'm talking about.
2: Like on to print, so for magazines as well as brochures, although like we just lost another photography uh, magazine during the week that bit the dust and Mm. uh, magazines are sort of like slowly – dying uh, unfortunately but like there always be brochures there always be billboards and it's my hope that a lot of the photographers out there that are coming up are going to have the opportunity to see their work not only in print in exhibitions but also uh, magazine covers billboards brochures and uh, all that sort of stuff so it's good to know Uh how to deliver your files to the client so they're optimised. For print and to know and understand the difference between screen resolution and print resolution and color space. So let's uh, let's get into it, Val. All right, let's get into it. So. Let's start with uh, color space. So Colour basically, space. basically, color space is the number of colors you tell your computer, camera, smartphone um, or smartphone to create your images with. So there are different color spaces uh, depending on um, – the camera that you're using or the 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 computer that you're using as well and so you've got at the lower end s r g b and so this is a color space it's like so we talked about this in the episode about how to optimize your images for the web val and i discussed Mm. color space in relation to like, you know, how many how many um, paints you're allowed to have in your paint box. So it's basically uh, when you choose a particular colour space to work with from the time the image is created as a raw file valve, mm-hmm. it's basically the colour space that you choose is going to determine how many uh, different colours you have to work with. So the tonal range you have to work with. And so you've got uh, the widest colour space that you'll get at the moment is a colour space called ProPhoto RGB this has the most colours so you'll work with this colour space if you're going to end up working with high end commercial printers because they can reproduce that tonal range so it gives you the most colours but it requires 16 bit files so most of us uh, work in 8 bit files and that's how many bits of information are in the file so you're working with larger files and it's necessary if you're working on very high-end end, end jobs. For most of us who are working uh, with uh, high-end printers and some commercial printers and a lot of magazines, Adobe RGB is the next colour space down and that's going to give you a slightly narrower tonal range than ProPhoto, but still like heaps of colours, like it's it's fantastic like like lush colors great tonal range quite beautiful and then under that valve is srgB and this is the uh, color space used when you uh, get your prints done at say like Walmart or Kmart so it's mm. cheaper it's fewer um, fewer uh, a lower tonal range, fewer images. Now, in the show notes, I've got my pens and pencils out and I've mm-hmm. drawn, drawn a diagram uh, based on, say, using jelly beans in a jar to show you the difference between the colour range in each of the uh, – the, the colour uh, spaces, right? So, okay. uh, three jars, identical. The first jar is sRGB, and there's like a handful of colours in there, a handful of um,
1: jelly beans.
2: Jelly beans, right? Mm. The next one is Adobe RGB. It's about half full. Mm-hmm. The third one, Profoto, is full. So that just at a glance, I mean, it's not an exact science here, Val. I've <laughs> drawn jelly really? a jar, so like don't hold me to this. If someone writes in and goes, well, actually, you got the gamuts <laughs> wrong, I'm sorry, we know that science isn't my strong point here. <laughs> but I just wanted to show you at a glance, this is basically what happens. Now, sRGB, this is the color space that is used universally on the web. So when we view images images... on the web they're in that color space and um, that's why that uh, some people who process their photos in Adobe RGB like they go to the to all the trouble of creating their images from a raw color space beautiful beautiful tonal range lots of you know subtle tones in the reds and the blues and and everything and then it goes online and they look at it online and it's converted to a, a s, it's viewed in an sRGB color space it looks kind of like they, they lose half the colors and it loses its impact that's why because half the information is uh, thrown out so that's the difference so <clears throat> s- similar thing happens with print so if you want to print print Beautiful. If you if you're going to um, have your work exhibited, say at the Guggenheim, Val. So maybe when mm-hmm. you start photographing your uh, macrame <laughs> work, uh, yeah. and uh, they're going to feature you at the Guggenheim or yes, you know, right. gallery, the, the Valerie Coup exclusive uh, exhibitions. Yes. yes. And you want your work to look freaking awesome, right? So yeah, you, you probably like we we talk about it. We consider because obviously I'd be photographing it or like
1: of course
2: yeah pro photo rgb because we'd want these to look amazing because they're going on the wall right yes so it's going to be higher quality but you're going to have to go to a higher end printer higher cost, but you get a better result it's like you know you want a a beautiful car you've got to pay the bucks for it right but you get better quality hopefully if you're going to just be uh printing for maybe magazines or newspapers or brochures or images for weddings or portraits or portfolio, Adobe RGB still fantastic. Mm. Uh, the uh, Pro Photo RGB is going to have a sl- uh, you know a better tonal range. Like, but Adobe RGB. Good enough for the majority of work that we do as photographers. Mm. All right,
1: Most if things. you're
2: not concerned and you're just nipping up to the local Walmart or Kmart uh, here in Australia, and you're getting the uh, prints for seven cents, and mm. uh, this is something I encourage everyone to do every year. Just get your smartphone out, take it to one of those places, and just print everything that's on it for seven cents. Right, mm. so that you've got mm. five by seven print of the year mm-hmm. and uh, you've got copies as print but just mm-hmm. do them as sRGB it's not going to be uh, award-winning high quality high-end photo but it's good enough it's like what you'd get when you bought five dollar film at the chemist and then went and got it printed in the old days yes. all right yes. so in that color space mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah all right
2: good questions or we good we move on
1: no, we're good. I was just going to say that um, if you've taken, you know, if you're just getting them for record keeping purposes, and you like some of the shots on your Instagram, and you don't mind that it's not going to be pro photo RGB or even Adobe RGB, one of the things that I did recently, I also did this for some friends, is I used a product called Postercandy.com, and they take. You can select like it's a it's an app, and you can select from your Instagram and drag and drop um, in a grid fashion, um, yep. a poster that can be, you know, any dimension really. Well, not any dimension. There are certain dimensions that you can choose from so that it you might have 20 shots or 40 shots or 60 shots of your Instagram photos all in one um, a giant poster printed on photographic paper. So yeah. that's postercandy.com. That's no Fantastic. doubt that would be sRGB. Yes. yes.
2: Okay. Oh, all mm-hmm. right. So And so they're using less ink, so that's how they can get it done uh, yeah. a lot cheaper. Uh, the next one is color profiles. So basically, color profiles are a universal standard. So every monitor uh, sees differently. So color profiles is a way to ensure that the colors you see on your monitor are the same colors that uh, are seen by uh, the printer or someone else who's uh, printing your shots when they open up their monitor their end they're going to be seeing uh, the image in the same way you saw it so it, like if everyone had uh, slightly different colour profiles the image that you see your end might you might have had the contrast a certain way your red might have looked a certain way and if they've got a different colour profile on their monitor they're going to see the red totally different they might see the red as orange so this is why it's important that uh, when you're getting your prints, sending out your prints that you find out what the uh, recommended colour profile is to get prints mm. done from that place so that's always a really good question to ask okay. so um, if uh, uh, so, what's uh, the actual question we ask? So what colour profile do I need to convert my images to and so this okay. is the last thing you need to And then, then you can see uh, how your images are going to look uh, when printed. By that printer using that colour profile, and if you need to, then you can slightly adjust the uh, the contrast if it's if it's changed anything slightly. If you're getting your work done at a high end lab, um, you don't really need to worry about any of that because they'll take care of all of that for you. So it's it's really uh, unless it's uh, like the the, the high end labs that I work with, they offer different services, so you can get like um, prints that are basically you give them the file they put the they put the print in it spits out the other end and that's all the work they do to it right but then there's Mm -hmm. other services that they offer where they'll take the file off you they'll look at it they'll analyze it they'll correct the contrast they'll adjust the color and they'll give you a beautifully uh, it's like the equivalent of getting something hand printed valve right right? so so they'll they'll calibrate it make sure it looks amazing and then often when you when you're working at that level uh, you want to make sure that uh, you've got test prints done. Is Gary and humping
1: your Ugg boot again?
2: No, he's finished. <laughs> and,
1: uh, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know what he wants. (laughs) That's okay. Sorry to interrupt this programming listeners, but it seems that uh, Gina's doggy, Gary Gazza, has some issues today. (laughs) But I'm sure Gina will be back very soon. (laughs) No, no, I'm back. So, um...
2: Yeah, so back to the high-end lab, Val, if you're taking your images to the high-end lab, it's a good idea to ask for a test proof because if you're paying Mm. big bucks, particularly if you're doing uh, large prints, it's a good idea to just say, okay, before you go ahead and do the print, can you just do a little section? It might be like a 5-centimeter square or you know, um, 10-centimeter square part of it so that you can have a look how it's going to look when it's printed mm. and make mm-hmm. sure that you're happy with it. All yeah. right, so um, let's go on because you know, you know that uh, what what someone thinks looks good in terms of color contrast and and warmth and and the overall look it's it's just a matter of personal preference. So, I know yes. you and I differ in opinion on in the shots. Yes. Oh, God. Anyway, so, um, and that's what makes us all unique and special, isn't it, Val? Okay. So, now, let's uh, talk about resolution. And this is probably the one thing that uh, most people get most confused about uh, when it comes to printing images. So, let's talk about uh in an image to be printed, like you get uh, something called DPI. That's the, the, the rating. Yes. So you'll have your print size. So it might be eight inches by 10 inches, or I don't, I, I actually only understand print sizing in inches. Not centimetres. Okay. It doesn't make any sense because I was always uh, brought up with, with inches. So I'm going to speak in inches for this rest of the show because I've got no clue what it is in centimetres, which is weird, I know. Okay. So, so you'll have a, a, a an image. So someone will say that it needs to be 8 inches by 10 inches, and then they'll give you another figure, which is the DPI. DPI, yes. Dots. Per inch, yes. All right? So, not to be confused mm-hmm. with PPI, which is pixels, pixels. per inch. Okay. Right? So we yes. talked about that in the show on how to optimize your images uh, for print. So the confusing bit is uh, people get confused between screen resolution and yes. print resolution. So resolution only really matters when it comes to printing an image. So our eyes, as good as they are, can only process on a screen 72 pixels per inch, right, on a computer. And so if you look at an image on a computer and we change the PPI, the pixels per inch, from 72 to 300 or to 1,000, it's going to look exactly the same. We're not going to be able to tell the difference. Okay. Okay? So the most important thing to remember with web images for the web is pixel dimension, okay? That's going to determine the size, how how big the, the image is seen, on the screen, okay. Printing, whole new ball game. Printing's all about the maximum number of pixels you can get on the paper. So, the more pixels you can get on the paper, the better the print looks. Yep. So, it all comes down to dots per inch. So, the way the printer works is it puts little dots of ink on the paper. Mm-hmm. And the resolution refers to how many dots we're getting into that image per inch. And so, the more <laughs> dots we can cram in, the better the image is going to look. And that makes sense. So, if you've got um, an image that's printed with uh, lower resolution, you're going to have uh, less dots on the uh, less less dots on the image. It's it's not going to look as good. You, you're going to get you're not going to get a smooth transition in the colours. It's going to be fuzzy. It's going to be fuzzy. It's not going to look as good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to my uh, jelly bean analogy again because it's just an easy one. So let's imagine that resolution uh, refers to jelly beans. Okay. Okay. So if you had uh, an an image that was um, 72 DPI you'd have 72 jelly beans in an image all right right
1: 72. if you had
2: 250 DPI you'd have 250 uh, jelly beans in an image and yeah. 300 dpi 300 images
1: you know 300 you know, jelly, beans, 300 jelly, in jelly beans in an image
2: the idea here is that you want to have to get a better looking image you want to be able to pack as many jelly beans as possible as closely mm-hmm. as possible into that image so the smaller the print size and, and you've only got a maximum number of jelly beans in an image that you create. So your, mm-hmm. your camera spits out an image. It'll have a certain number of pixels in that image as it's shot. Like it's not you, – you, like every camera, it's, its megapixel size is going to have a predetermined amount of uh, pixels in that image. Okay. okay. <laughs> so – when you're printing, if you're, say, uh, printing from an image that you took from your iPhone, because it's a smaller megapixel, the size, the pixels in that image are going to be less than, say, if I shoot with my 1DX, okay, which is going to have a larger megapixels, more pixels in that image. So if I took my iPhone image and I tried to print a uh, 16 by 20 inch image from that, Mm-hmm. The number of pixels that I have. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, to, to round off numbers, let's just say my iPhone image has a hundred pixels in it, mm-hmm. compared to my One DX image, which has a thousand pixels. Yes. Okay. A print. A 1620-inch print made with 100 pixels in it compared to one with 1,000 pixels. Can you see the difference? Yes. Fewer pixels, lower lower resolution. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it's not going to look as good as the one that has more pixels in it. Yeah. Okay? So resolution number determines how closely an image's pixels are packed together. Yes. Right, so you can tell, um, you can actually tell Photoshop or Lightroom how much resolution or how tightly packed you want your jelly beans to be, Val, which is yes. good. So, um, if you have a look in the, in the show notes, I've actually got a dialogue box in Photoshop. So, if you go to Photoshop and you can do this in Lightroom as well, um, when your Reese, uh, I'm not exactly, I'll have to have a look at how to do it specifically in Lightroom, but in Photoshop, if you go to uh, file image size and open up your image, you'll get a dialogue box that will tell you the pixel dimension of your image and the Mm. resolution of your image, okay? Yes. Now, you have the ability to change the resolution, all right? And so Mm -hmm. um, if you... And then there's another checkbox underneath that gives you the – that asks you if you want Photoshop to resize the image for you if you change the resolution. So if I've got a 72 – if I want to create a 72 DPI image and I want it to – and the printer says it needs to be 300 DPI for this print that we're doing Mm. and you just change it to 300 DPI – Mm -hmm. Photoshop is going to actually add more pixels to the image to make it 300 dpi. It's going to invent pixels for you, which is actually going to reduce the quality. So it fills the blanks. It makes stuff up for you, right? So the trick is that there's a little checkbox underneath the dimensions that if you uncheck that and you tell Photoshop, I don't want you to add more pixels. Mm. If I change the resolution, I want you to not uh, upsize the image for me. It'll keep it uh, the same. Mm. It'll just tell you what size you can print at. Mm. at, at for the number of pixels you've got in your image. So this is a good way to find out the maximum size you can print from the particular camera or smartphone or whatever it is you're using. So I know my 1DX I think is uh, 5000 and something pixels across on the long edge. So I know that you know the maximum size I can, I, I can print to and I know that uh, using my smartphone is a lot less because it creates images that are a lot smaller because there's fewer pixels in that. Okay? Got it. So, um, it's all about how many uh, pixels you can pack in and the more closely you pack them in, the better your image. So, if you uncheck that... uh, uh, and telling uh, Photoshop that you don't want to resize your images, uh, you'll end up getting a smaller-sized image that you can mm-hmm. print, but it's going to pack in the uh, pixels a lot tighter. Do you know when you make coffee, Val, if you've got those mm. old school coffee machines where they t- – like at the coffee shop that you go to, they take off that uh, the handle under the where the coffee goes in and the, 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 the person making the coffee, like – Packs in the coffee, yes, little yes. container, and then they stuff it in, and they—it has to be um, compressed really tightly for the coffee to be strong enough. Yes. If, If I see that it's uh, the work experience, Kitty's doing it, and I know I'm not going to get a good cup of coffee because all they'll do is they'll take the coffee and they'll just put it into the container, but they don't pack it down. Yes. It's not compressed. It's not going to be strong enough. What you want with your pixels in your image is that same sort of thing going on. You want to pack as many pixels into your image as possible so you get better resolution. So that's what resolution is.
1: Great. Right. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so uh,
2: basically, uh, there's a recommended resolution sizes for images. So if you're working with an inkjet printer, you're kind of needing to go around 225 to 250 uh, DPI. A uh, mm. black and white laser. Obviously, it's black and white. valve, there's a lot less color information in there. So an, mm. uh, a PPI of a DPI of one hundred and fifty to two hundred is uh, is is all you need. And uh, if you want to do the good stuff, uh, three hundred DPI to three hundred and sixty DPI. Okay. When you're doing these sort of things, uh, and like I think it's a good idea to test your prints first. So uh, the lowest printing resolution is about 180 to 200 uh, DPI. Anything under that, anything below that, your prints look shite. All right. So... And then, well, so, but using that argument, people are going to say, well, okay, if I want a really good print, should I go to 5,000 DPI? Is my image going to look better? Uh, Mm. So the higher the DPI, the better the quality to a certain point. So if you bought a printer from Walmart for 50 bucks, Mm. it's not going to know what to do with anything above 300. DPI. So yep. what it'll do is it'll look at it and go, I don't know what to do, Dave, You've got the manual. I didn't you know, no one told us what to do. Well we've only got three hundred so it'll start throwing out pixels. It'll the get rid of the, out. It'll get rid of the stuff it doesn't need and it'll print it up until like right. you know. Because it's not it's it's a $50 printer valve. Yes. It's a waste of time setting yes. it to that and it'll actually uh, make the quality of your image a little less. So probably if you've got one of those printers, stick to around 225 to 250 DPI. So if you're unsure and you've got a printer at home, do a test. Run a test at mm. 200. Do another one at 250 dpi test it at 300 and if you want test it at 360 dpi and see the shot that looks best you don't need to do the entire print because i hate those home printers with a passion i've got one that I shouldn't, I shouldn't jinx it because I've got one that's actually working at the moment. Mm-hmm. But they always break down when you need them. I know. And you're in a hurry and you've got to print the out that proposal problem. and you've got I five know. minutes before you have to leave and it just runs out of ink or Drive something. Drive
1: bonkers. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh.
2: So, yeah. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, uh, there there is another thing that happens uh, when people say you've got an image and you know that the the camera that you use and the file size that it creates, the maximum it'll print to is say twelve sixteen as okay. a, as a print. But someone wants a 20 by 30 inch, so you need to go up in size. Yeah. Uh, that's where the, uh, the, you can ask Photoshop to, uh, here's a good word, upsize. The other word for it is interpolation, Val. Interpolation. <laughs> Upsizing. So when you go to McDonald's next. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay do you, you go i'll have a burger and can i interpolate that with some fries thanks
1: yeah okay i'll Size do that to the next
2: one you know and see uh-huh. how that looks at you um there's a link to uh the adobe help page on that which gives you all the lowdown on upsizing and what all the little sections are so there is a there is um a drop-down menu when you're resizing your image that allows you to tell Photoshop to make my image bigger and add more pixels in. But there, there are all these different uh, categories, which are, it's a whole other show, Val. But basically, this uh, this covers it all for you, and, and it we'll put the
0: link
1: in the
2: show notes, of course. It tells you the best uh, the best ways to do that and and get the best quality out of your image. Because if you do it in the wrong order, your your image can can look a little bit soft. Uh, because again, you're telling Photoshop to fill in the blanks, to add more pixels, and uh, make your image a bit bigger. Um mm-hmm. so uh, finally, I just want to talk about viewing distance and resolution. So this <laughs> viewing is real...
1: di- oh, viewing distance of the photo itself. Yeah.
2: So have you ever walked up to a uh, really close to a billboard or seen an old vinyl billboard? Like, you, you, like uh, we had a we've got a mutual friend who used to make um, uh,
1: iPad covers iPad and covers messenger
2: out bags. Of old billboards. Remember? And so yes. you, could, you could see the actual print of a billboard. Up close, and you could see it was like dots, dot, 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 yeah, dot, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's because, uh, and you can count all the pixels. So, and, and even if you look at uh, ads that are like in shopping centers that are meant to be viewed from uh, a few meters back, a considerable distance, when you walk right up to them, you can see every single pixel. Because, yeah. um, so The way that images are printed to be very large, to be billboards, uh, they they change the resolution and the resolution doesn't need to be as large. So that's why you can have like that very successful iPhone billboard campaign. If you see where you see you're driving along and you see a billboard that's like the size of four houses. And it's like mm. there's, there's an iPhone image, and it says, you know, shot on an iPhone. You go, my God, you could blow that an iPhone right. image up yeah. that big. It's actually, um, yes, you can. If you've got like with a low resolution image, less pixels in the image, you can make it that big at that distance. It's going to look fantastic. Mm. If you were to walk right up to it or print um, an image off an iPhone uh, or, you know as, as a, a, like a mural on your wall, it's not going to look as good. it won't have it. but like from a distance, it's always going to look uh, any of our work is going to look amazing on a billboard because of the uh, the viewing distance and the resolution. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. All right, so also a very good article from the print uh, and handbook and book, print and book um, about uh, DPI and viewing distances. So that's a graphic designer who talks about that, which is like some really good information and uh, resolution sizes uh, depending on uh, where you're going to be viewing the image from. So that's worth thinking about. And you're going to print something at a different resolution if it's going to be on the wall of a, of a gallery and people are going to be a few meters back. Uh, um, as opposed to something that might be in a, a, a brochure or a magazine where people are going to be looking at it a lot closer.
1: That's actually really useful. So, there's, um, so we'll put the link in the show notes, but basically there's a table so that um, you can determine if you are going to have a viewing distance of, you know, one metre, uh, you, you may need a minimum resolution of 180 dpi. But if it was 10 metres, you only need 18 dpi. Yeah, if it's yeah, 200 metres, you only need one DPI. So yeah. that link is in the show notes, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. Well, there you go. That's pretty, pretty Fabulous information Gina Thank you for that um, th- This is going to be interesting To just dis- determine what Hashtag Gina Challenge is for this week uh, <laughs> If you're new to this podcast Then each week we have Hashtag Gina Challenge And then hashtag whatever the topic is So Gina's currently thinking about What this week's topic is going to be But then we interpret that hashtag However we like And upload our photos Into the podcast community uh, The Facebook group that is and just a reminder just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on facebook now what is hashtag gina challenge this week gina uh free my pixels val <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hashtag Gina Challenge. Hashtag free my pixels. Put those hashtags next to your no, image. No, no, can you do the music now? Ready? And no, hashtag can't. go on. Do it. Do it. I can't I can't I can't so I can't good. do it again. I know. It was a one off. That's good. It was great. you will have to rewind. I will. Um, so hashtag Gina Challenge. Hashtag free my pixels. <laughs> oh my god, she's she's gone. I know what she's like when she gets like this. So we'll wrap up this week's episode. Where do we find you? I'll just tell you. She can keep singing. You can find Gina at Gina Militia on both Twitter and Instagram and you'll also find her website GinaMalisha.com You'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram and I'm also in the podcast community. Thank you for listening everybody. We hope Thanks you enjoy guys. the music and good night. <laughs>